0: Okay, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. That was uh, very kind, uh, what you said, uh, and it was a long time ago. <laughs> Forget some of those things, but um, it's really a joy to just see what God is doing here uh, uh, in Ashland. I guess this is called Ashland, right? right. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, so what uh, we want to do this morning, um, of course, Jeff gives me 30 minutes to share on nearly 30 years of following Jesus. I'm not sure how... <laughs> how that's possible, uh, but no, literally, um, we've kind of been, in. Becky and I um, have been in a convergence in our walk with Jesus, and, and what I mean by that is we feel like we're, we're entering, we've entered a season in our life um, where we feel like we're just really tracking with God's purpose uh, for us. Uh, we've been, like I said, following him a long time, uh, not always following him. Uh, Sometimes we're, we think we're following him, and he's saying, I'm over here, you know, come over here. Um, but we are, really feel like we're in a place now that we're, we're kind of hitting some our stride, if you will, in ministry. So what we want to do this morning is I'm going to share um, a little bit of that, and uh, I'm going I'm to kick it off, and then I'll have Becky come up uh, and share some as well. Um, what I want to say, though, is, uh, oh, and, and I put this slide up there just because I like it. Uh, <laughs> But I feel like we need some music to go with it, you know, to dance a little bit. But um, let's see if this will, there we go. Um, what I want to share with you this morning, I, I really believe, is, is God's heart. And that's what he's been capturing us with uh, these last several years. And um, so we am going to talk about that. And it really begins with compassion. And the Greek word for compassion is splint nitsumai. And I just like that word, too. It's a splank uh, Over the years, I've taught a congregation to say splank just because it's a fun word. But but it has a deep meaning, and it really means when you feel something really deeply inside. Uh, it has the, um, a root word in the bowels. I mean, deeply feeling something. But the biblical um, use of that in, in the New Testament uh, goes beyond that. It's more than uh, sympathy where you feel sorry for somebody or empathy where you, you know, relate, you know, I, I, you feel somebody's pain. It, it's where you're, I, it has movement attached to it. When you you see a situation, you feel deeply about it, so deeply that you're moved to go remedy the situation. And many times put somebody on a new life trajectory. Uh, it changes people's lives when you operate out of compassion. And you see that with uh, Jesus many times. It, w- it would say he, he saw like the woman whose um, uh, only son had died and he comes a- upon this funeral. It says he, when he saw it, his heart went out to her. That That's the word splint, His heart went out to her. And he went up and he touched, you know, the, uh, the funeral possession where the boy was and the boy was raised to life. And that's compassion. God sees He feels, he hears the cries of people, he hears our cries, and he's moved to bring remedy to it. But here's the thing about God, he often taps us to be part of that process, to go and and bring a remedy. There's a passage of scripture that more than anything captures this, and that's in Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, Have any of you guys ever read Isaiah chapter 58? Can I give you a homework assignment? And and let me just read to you from Isaiah 58. Um, We first came across this when I was in seminary, and Becky was in a chapel service, and she came back, and she goes, Ken, listen to this. And she read it to me, and it just was like, that's her heart. And it was like everywhere we turned, this passage of Scripture would, would pop up. Uh, We were driving around in the countryside of Kentucky. We were in a little town called Wilmore at Asbury Seminary. Driving around in the countryside, just getting a little day out in our old uh, Plymouth K station wagon, AM radio only, one gospel Christian station. And it was a station that would have the scripture of the day, and they would announce it, you know, throughout the day. Today's scripture is, and we're riding around, and he goes, it's Isaiah 58, you know, verse 6. And we go, there it is again. And so we went to this concert in Lexington, uh, Kentucky, uh, by a girl named Laurie Boone Browning. And halfway through the concert, she stops. She goes, I want to share with you my favorite passage of scripture. And by this time, I'm thinking to myself, I already know what it is. She goes, it's in Isaiah 58. And she reads it. We were like, man. So we come back to Richmond, and we had some friends that were starting a vineyard church. And they had just started a home group. They called them kinship groups back then. And... Um, it's funny, some of my, our family members thought I was real vain when we started our first kinship group. They thought it was K-E-N-ship group instead of K-I-N-ship group. It just meant family. And um, so anyway, well, that's another story. But, so we go over there to visit, just see what this vineyard thing is all about. And, uh, and he goes, tonight we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 58. We're going, God, what are you doing? And so we were like, okay, we want to check a little further. We want to go to a real vineyard church and see what a vineyard church is. So we drove down to Virginia Beach, uh, which was one of the closer ones. And as we walk in on that Sunday morning, now this will tell you how old we are. uh, We had overhead projectors, okay, where they put the songs up on, not on flat screen TVs. And so we walk in, and uh, before the service, they had a passage of scripture up on the overhead screen. And it was Isaiah chapter 58. And God used it to hook us. And say, this is the journey I want you on. So let me just read this to you uh, because I think it captures God's heart for justice. It says, verse 1, Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fist. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed? For lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? So he's talking about, you know, doing these religious practices and activities that there's value in. But there was something missing. And God, he proclaims it right here in verse 6. He says, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? And here's the promise that comes. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will, say, he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will straight stir a frame. You will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Doesn't that sound good? I want that. He tells us how, how to get it as we follow him and we bring justice into places that need justice. And he goes on to say, We'll be we recalled repair of the breach, restore of streets and dwellings. And then the last two verses I never quite figured out for a long time must remember the sabbath and value the sabbath and if you're in justice ministry it doesn't take you long to realize how important it is to take the inward journey with jesus to get your strength and to know it's well with your soul to have anything to go out with you know to give away so it's very valuable and so what god did with this was in 1997, we felt the call of God to move into the inner city in Richmond from out here in Hanover County. And um, we, our church was in the north side in the Carytown area, uh, as Jeff talked about. And then, uh, But we moved into a, a predominantly African-American neighborhood. We put our kids in the, uh, the school that was all black except for us. We were an anomaly. And uh, when I put up a basketball court for my two young boys, um, I'd gotten it at Christmas, and uh, I didn't realize that right after that, I had a, a community center in my backyard. <laughs> we had lots of friends, and uh, here's, a, here's a picture of uh, my son Paul and Devin, a neighborhood kid who came into our life, who we uh, ended up raising. Uh, he's our godson, and uh, he's still around today, and uh, some other kids in the background, so, so we moved in there, and, uh, but for many years, we just had this disconnect with our church over in the kind of the Carytown and the museum district and kind of a lily white community and us living over a predominantly black community. Uh, and our hearts were often torn. And so what happened was, um, and Becky, stop me if I, I missed something here. Um, just a couple of years ago, uh, I had a dream one night. And in my dream, I was at our house over in South Richmond and I saw this big box truck driving up the street. Uh, one of those that, you know, the doors are open on the passenger side and the driver's side, like a UPS truck or something. There's just guys driving it really fast. And all of a sudden, this young um, black boy pops up out of the floorboard in my dream, looks right over at me at the house as I'm staring out, and he goes, Help us, Mr. Peters. He was like he was being kidnapped. And I woke up from that dream, just going, it's, it so feels like God, you know. And um, and if you read in Acts chapter 16, I'm not going to go there, but um, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia saying, uh, "Come over and help us," and it was very similar to that kind of feel to it. And he they ended up going over there and um, starting, um, you know, the church there with uh, meeting Lydia and. So anyway, that happened. And so when you, when you get a dream like that, what do you do with that? What does it mean to help? <laughs> because when we moved into the inner city, we, we felt a real heart for racial reconciliation, but we, you know, we realized how huge an issue it was, as it still is today. So we kind of got a little more micro with, with our godson here and, and raising him. But God obviously was speaking to us. So then he dropped it in our heart to start a reading club for kids. We watched so many kids grow up through the school system there, come out through George with High School, and uh, could hardly read or write. And and so what we did was I went to one of our other kids from the neighborhood who lived in the housing project right behind us. His name is Matthew, and he was a friend of my son, um, Micah, who's now 15. And uh, we said, hey, Matthew, we're going to start a reading club uh, on Wednesday nights. And uh, do you know any kids that might want to come? Because he was in school at the time. And uh, he said, well, my, they just said my little brother, he's in third grade, he's reading at kindergarten level. I said, well, let's start with him. So, um, so we brought uh, Clinton, uh, or Fufu, that's his name. He's been coming around the house since he was two years old. And uh, so we every Wednesday night, we got pizza, and we had pizza with uh, Clinton and Matthew, and uh, my son Micah, and we would sit and read for about 20, 30 minutes with him. We did that for three months. And, uh, and we named it uh, Matthew's Place, uh, the, the reading club. And, um, and then we finally said, you know what? We're going to move the church to South Richmond. So we made that decision, and, and we came over to South Richmond and um, moved the church. And uh, we moved it into the house where we were doing reading club. And we... Um, Decided to do an outreach that Halloween. We started in August, three, this, three years ago this August, with Clinton. And on the Halloween, we decided to give away candy and put some flyers out and invite some other people that might want to come. We had 150 kids come through getting candy that Halloween and get passed out flyers. So the next Wednesday, uh, Becky and I and a couple of team members were getting ready for Reading Club again. And everybody was so excited about the new kids that might come. And uh, me, of great faith, I'm saying to myself, nobody's going to come from a flyer. (laughs) I mean, to a stranger's house, I mean, that's just not going to happen. Well, so as uh, uh, 5.30 approached, time we do reading club, all of a sudden here comes a grandmother with three kids. She'd walked like six blocks from across Middle-earthian turnpike over to her house and dropped off three kids at her house. And then we were four. There's our original team there with uh, James and Tiana and Gabby and uh, Clinton and my son Micah, who would hate that I have his picture up there right now. (laughs) So I'm going to move on. That was Tiana and Gabby. They love to hang out in the tree in front of our house. And uh, it's Becky sitting with Gabby one night. And so we did that until the following uh, spring, and we decided, you know what? let's go get some more kids. We think we can handle some more kids. So we decided to do an outreach um, over in the neighborhood. So we crossed over Midlothian, got some ice cream, uh, and some dry ice, and some flyers, and we went into the apartment complex across Midlothian. Well, this was an apartment complex that was fronted by uh, drug dealers. And so we really had to get their permission to enter into the the complex. And so, um, just to give you an idea of what it looks like, as we walked over, uh, whoops, there we go. Uh, That's just one of the stairwells in the apartments with bullet holes through the plexiglass. And uh, we, uh, they asked why we were coming over there, and we said, well, we're just going to give out some ice cream and invite some kids to a reading club. he said, oh, okay, come on in. So we went around and uh, passed out flyers at some of the apartments, and then uh, this fella showed up. He was four years old. Him and his uh, his brother Tayshon and sister Shatavia, uh, and their three cousins, uh, Shataya, Shemaya, and Tanaya. they shared a two-bedroom apartment. Uh, eight, three three siblings and their mom in a bedroom, and their and their dog Jermaine, uh, who I met, and has now had puppies, and it's expanded expanded family. Well, this kid, the first two weeks he came, I literally had to carry him around in my arms. He was so out of control. And so we had kids sitting around reading, and I'm carrying him around, and he's uh, giving these nice hand gestures to everybody as we're walking around. (laughs) You know? And um, he has a way of grabbing your heart. And so then... uh, um, So then we started celebrating birthdays, which is a big deal. Uh, New books, Annie and Arnie, some other folks that came. Uh, Suddenly we had gone to like 10 to 12 regulars every Wednesday night. Um, And uh, there's another group picture. Uh, Yeah, we thought it was crazy then. (laughs) Things were about to change. Um, So this is like one of my favorite pictures. (laughs) Because what happened was, uh, for like one week, j Mon and them didn't show up. And so I went over there to check on them, and their apartment was empty. And one of the neighbors said they moved. And they had no idea where they moved. So it was like the saddest thing. So we, we, our team began to pray and say, God, would you show us where they went? And so I'm sitting in my office at the house one day, and I hear uh, this basketball coming up the sidewalk. And I look out the window, and there's Tayshawn. And I ran outside and grabbed him, Sean, where did you guys go? So he gave me his address, and they were like three miles down Jeff Davis. You know, up to this time, everybody walked to Reading Club. I'm like, well, we got to go get them. So I had a dual cab pickup, so I went down there and picked them up every week, the three of them, and would bring them up. Well, one Wednesday I took them home after Reading Club, and as I'm driving away, their next-door neighbor on their porch was this uh, little boy named Juan, who is the the guy with his hand up there in the middle. He's on the front porch, and as I'm driving away, he goes, I'm like, that's the kid from my dream. It just hit me. Like, that's, that's him. And so then uh, Juan and, his, uh, and Trey and Michaela uh, started coming. So I'm piling them in my pickup until my older daughter says, you shouldn't post pictures like that because that's illegal, driving so many kids like that. So... And then they have, I don't know why I'm having a hard time with this. There we go. Um, Their little sister, Raya, she's four. Can I come? Of course you can come. So then I had to get a car seat. And uh, I won't show you pictures of all that. But um, And then there's their daughter, Maggie. She works with middle school girls. There's uh, two of them there. Uh, And Raya sticking her head out. And uh, some of the other girls, elementary. Yana, Gabby, Makala, and Sharita, and uh, it's me and Jamon and a little girl, my angel. Becky's gonna tell her story in just a minute. Um, And pretty soon we found ourselves kids in every room and we're going out on the side porch out in the backyard. And um, what we do is we feed a meal. Uh, We do have a meal every week uh, when we gather then we uh, go ahead and go into some reading time, and then we have prayer and dessert at the end. Uh, we had the uh, Richmond Police Academy uh, that just graduated uh, came one Wednesday night. We had uh, remember we had those tornados come through Virginia? Well, that was the night they came. And you should have heard all their, their phones going off when the alerts came through. We had 24 of the, uh, the cadets there in the house. I think we had 70 some people in the house that night, because um, the reading club went from. 10 and we just hit 20. Then we hit 30 and it just stayed there. And then t- towards the end of the spring we hit 40 and it just stayed there. And we hit as high as 44 kids on a Wednesday night. Um, and these guys came and hung out some, which was great. Um, come on now. There we go. It's another picture of a couple of cadets, kids. Uh, We've had some volunteers from some other churches come and read uh, with the kids. Bon Air Baptist comes uh, once a month, uh, brings their student ministry, and they read with kids. It's been a great thing. Uh, It's one of their volunteers, David, and these middle school boys. Uh, It's amazing that we actually got that picture taken. Uh, It's just... uh, We have three separate rooms of middle school boys uh, for Reading Club. And then... uh, that's Maggie with the middle school girls. She's uh, recently had as many as 11 middle school girls with her. which you really need two, <laughs> two groups for that. Um, and then somebody um, gave us a van. Because uh, I just hashtagged it enough. Need a van, need a van, need a van, need a van. Finally somebody said, okay, I'll give you a van. Um, actually, Ironbridge Baptist Church uh, gave us a van. Uh, so I have it filled with kids. and uh, And so... This past fall, what God did was he he said, I want you to start a church for these kids. And um, so we brought it to our congregation. Uh, We had a couple in our church that was um, planting another vineyard church in Richmond this past Easter. And we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to both share our visions with our church. And we're going to say, if you want to come be a part of what God's doing in us, come follow Uh, if you want to go and be a part of this new church plant, go. And so we presented that in the fall and gave people time to just pray about it. And then in March, we launched um, the Bridge RVA, a church for children and adults. Adults can come too. Um, But you know how most churches, we do adults first, and then we we do kids ministry. Uh, We just flipped it. We're doing church for kids, and we do adult ministry. (laughs) So something like that. I'm going to let Becky come up and... uh, (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we do. Well, get the meal ready. Uh,
0: yeah, something like that. So,
1: so I'm just going to share a little bit about the vision that God's given us. Um, gosh, this sounds really loud. But anyway, sure, I need it. Can I just talk about yeah. it? Um, so the vision that God gave us, and he's been working in our life, obviously, for years, um, was to have a church for kids because these children – Keep in mind, these children are coming on their own. Their, their parents aren't sending them. They're coming on their own. I mean, we have a hard time tracking down the parents to get a release form to act for them to come. And there's probably a couple that have snuck in that we don't have. And then they come on Wednesday night, they just show up. Um, but these children are just hungry for love, for Jesus. It's, it's almost as if they're an unreached people group. They're almost invisible over, Um, and they're precious. And whatever you think about them or their parents or whatever, these children can't help any more where they were born than we can. And so they needed a a place they could worship. They could learn more about Jesus. Um, So we started. We meet at 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoons. And they help us do worship. They help us greet. Um, we don't have all the pictures there. Um, we go and pick them up. We have Sunday school, and real literally, yes, the adults do go somewhere else most of the time. They're getting ready because we serve them a full meal. Um, and we we on Sundays we average about twenty children. It's not as crazy as Wednesday nights. Um, but we do communion. We're teaching them the gospel, and they love communion. I mean, you know, whatever you think about that, it gives a good opportunity for them to think, of, to know what Jesus has done for them. Because if we don't give them Jesus, we really haven't given them anything at all. Um, but we're we are having a great time, and the vision is is that we will have a regular church service. We don't do a message because. If, as you know, children don't really like to sit and listen like y'all. I mean, that's a little bit like, like school, and they, they don't like school that much. So we break up into small groups, and God gave us the vision that they would be, there would be small groups for the children, which each small group leader will pastor their group of children. Well, these kids need pastoring. I mean, they need to know somebody cares for them, that somebody's going to be there for them. They can listen out for what's going on in their families. Um, they can pray with them. I mean, all of these children, believe it or not, have our cell phone numbers. And it's not unusual. For Ken. We'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden, Ken will get a text, hey. <laughs> 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 and um, we, want, we like that because they need to know there's somebody there if they need them. And so we're training up our small group leaders to pastor them to be a little, small, microcosm family, um, to walk alongside their parents, who are doing the best they can. I fully believe their parents are doing the very best that they can. Um, and it's not our job to judge. It's our job to be Jesus and come alongside them. So we're having a great time. Um, and I think I'm going to just tell you a few stories. We And then the other thing we do is we have fun. We play. That guy right there with the cast on, his name is Linwood, and he's just a great kid. He's got the best smile. He just had his fourth surgery because he was hit by a car and Jeff Davis riding his bicycle. Um, And that was like a year and a half ago, and he just had his fourth surgery like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And we went to the hospital and saw him, just like pastors. You would, you know, and prayed with his father. And we're slowly making some inroads into their parents' lives and beginning to pray for them. It's really awesome to see what God is doing. And this is the end, typical Sunday end of our service. We, we feed them a full meal on Sunday afternoon as well because most of these children are hungry and depend on school for their meals. And in the summertime, they're really hungry. Not all of them. A lot of them are fed, but some of them are not fed. And so I'm just, we. if you can't tell, we're really having the uh just the time of our life. Um we do feel like this is what God has c- been leading us to for all these years and so thankful for Sally and Jeff when they came. It was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, free labor." <laughs> 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 that's kind of what it was like. But yeah. <laughs> that's what you felt like too. But <laughs> anyway, it um we you know, it's it's awesome to see what God is doing up here, really, because mm-hmm. I don't know, not, most of you don't know us, but I grew up, we both grew up in Mechanicsville. I grew up in Studley. He grew up in um, off of 360, and my grandparents were in Ashland. My other grandparents were in Hanover Courthouse, so we are Hanover nat- natives, and it's so awesome to have a vineyard up here. Um, so anyway, this is Jay Mon. He's learning the basics. This was Christmas, and he's holding up baby Jesus. You know, most of these children, they, they've heard the name Jesus, they don't know the biblical stories at all. I mean, we take for granted, but. And then I'll let Ken just tell a little bit, and then I'm going to share some more about Hughes. Am just I still
0: on? Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was probably a picture of Jamon just before he threw baby Jesus at one of the <laughs> other kids. But, uh, <laughs> but we were asking them to draw a picture of love, and uh Jay Mon drew that picture. And he then called me over and Mr. Peters, look at this. He said, See that little, see that little that person at the bottom? That's me. Aww. He says, You see that? That's a tear. If you, you can't see it from there, but it's like a little tear running down his cheek. Yeah. It's like, I love that. Yeah. And then it's um, so one of the drives home uh, after church, and uh, Brian, one of their uh, youth guys, was, uh, Raya was, I guess, explaining her Sunday school lesson to him
1: the resurrection
0: eggs yeah, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> so that was that and then this is uh my angel and um i'm gonna let becky tell her story but what happened was when i was driving down to pick up the kids right after they had moved down in Harwood, which goes into hillside court which is one of the housing projects in south richmond so i'm there waiting for them to come out of the house and this mom's rolling uh, a baby in a stroller and uh who now we know is king that's his name Uh, and this little girl, my angel was walking with her and, you know, she's like, what are y'all doing? I said, uh, I'm picking these kids up for reading club. Can she go? And she was just going to give her to me right there on the spot. I said, I'm going to bring a form back next week and, uh, and we'll go from there. Sure enough, next week, she was waiting at the form. She's been coming ever since. That's been probably a year now, close to it.
1: And so I'm going to tell you about my angel, her story, um, so she's nine years old, or eight, I'm not sure, I forget. She reminds me that her birthday's in August, though, and wants to know every Sunday if I've gotten her gift. Um, so every year she's of her life, pretty much, she's moved. Um, she's moved from shelters to different homes to now she's living in the city motel on Jeff Davis. You may have heard it in the news um, Like two weeks ago, there was a murder there. It was four doors down from her hotel room. It was actually the room that she had just moved from, and it was there. And there was someone who was shot there. And it is an interesting place. It is um, its own little world full of prostitutes, pimps, drag queens, and children. And... Her parents, are li- she lives with her mother and her father, believe it or not, who are not married with her little brother, King. Um, her mother is actually, I believe, paying for their room by working at the city motel. Um, her mother, before you begin to think bad about her, her mother has been on her own since she was a child. Her mother was a drug addict. She left her home when she was 13 years old. And she before that, she was taking care of herself. Um, so now they're doing the best they can. But I go to the City Motel, and my angel, who is just wild, as wild can be, but she just is. There's another picture that I don't think we have, where when she sees Ken, she loves Ken, she'll see him from afar, and she'll start to run. And she's not little. I mean, she's not a little child anymore. But she'll start to run and she leaps in the kin's arms.
0: If I'm not paying attention. I'm yeah, in he'll she's
1: she's gonna knock him down one day. But she is, you know, she's homeless. She told me. So I go there, I'll go there this afternoon, and her and her friends will be sitting on the pimp porch. I figured out the city motel. There is a section, there are rooms where the pimps live. And Then all around there are the places where the prostitutes live or some, you know, there are a few people, I guess, that may happen into the city and not really realize what it is and stay there. So it's not, because it's a cheap motel room. But um, there are people of all sizes, colors, and shapes there who are working. Um, And they'll, but they, there's a little porch where the pimps live because I, because what happens, if you really want to know, The prostitutes go in and pretty much um, get numb before they go out on the street, and the pimps supply that. So they're sitting on the porch when I come to pick them up, and they're looking for me. And, of course, they all know me now at the same hotel. so I go in, hi, how you doing? How you doing? You know, when I first went there, somebody said, hey, baby. I'm like, man, you are desperate. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, they're... (laughs) <laughs> they're like, um, you know, how you do? i just how you doing? How you doing? And you know, and they're like, oh hi, how are you? You know, I'm just here to pick up kids. I just walk through gauntlets of, you know, men, garden rooms, and it's interesting. It's fun. I don't feel afraid. It's the grace of God. Um, but her and Kiki and Denise, I pick up there, three of them. And my angel brought them. She's she's a little evangelist. <laughs> She's always asking for more forms so she can bring more, more kids. So, um, anyway, that's, that's my yeah. angel, and I'll and be is, quiet. But. And
0: then the last one is.
1: So, this, this I'll have to tell the story. This little, this is Isaiah in the black shirt and his brother Anthony in the red shirt. Isaiah's five years old, Anthony's three. They walked to our house across Midlothian Turnpike. Um, they, they have a bigger brother, Ralph, and another cousin, Jeremiah, and a sister, Imani, and these kids run the streets. These kids mm-hmm. are out, always. These kids are not being fed. And you want to say, well, why don't you call social services? Well, because social services will not do anything. They are overwhelmed. So it's, I believe it's God's called us to come alongside of them. And the best thing about Isaiah, he is the cutest kid, and he has the sweetest spirit you ever did. So I'm, first of all, he smiles. He doesn't have a tooth in his head. They are all rotted out. And then he says, I'm teaching him about the character of God. I'm like, God is good and kind and powerful, and we go over that. And he loves you, you know, and tell him the gospel, and, so I'll go and I'll say, and God is good and, fine, uh, and powerful. And then one, and we said, they can say it, and they do their arms, arms, powerful. and he's strong and he's mighty. And then one week Isaiah goes, and he's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, he is, Isaiah. He's fine. One week they brought their one-year-old um, brother with them whose name is... <laughs> And I had to take him home because I'm like, we can't handle a one-year-old. His name is Robert, and he came in a stroller. They strolled him across Midlothian Turnpike, the the little kids. So that's our kids, and I'm sorry I've took too much time. Sorry.
0: So that's it. And if anybody wants to ask any questions later after the service, we'll be around if you have any questions. And I've got some uh, cards if anybody would like one of these. Can have one of these as well, and all that is is. Oh, yeah. I don't want to want to paint too rosy a picture here, okay? Because it's real life. Uh, If you know, if if your heart is stirred in any way to support or help what we're doing, um, honestly, kids don't give much, you know, to the church. so, we're, you know, we're trying to find ways to, to finance what we're doing because we do meals twice a week. And, um, and so we have some, some people outside the church that, that help us as well.
1: And I just want to share real quick, real quick, and I, I I'm sorry it took so too long. Um, our vision is to have a center. We're in our house right now. We have completely taken over our house. It is wall-to-wall children. So, our vision is to have a center somewhere down in the Hall Jeff Davis corridor um, where they can come. It can be a safe place. We can be there. And so, we're not trying to raise money for that, but eventually, that's where we feel like God has taken us. And we are, if you know anybody down there, owns any property, needs to get rid of it, let us know. Um, but anyway, that, that's part of our vision. And, you know, we've been, we're bivocational still. Um, some things never change, and um, we feel like God has called us to do this full-time, and, but it will, it's like being missionaries, not really like having a real church. So we're thankful to Jeff and Sally for letting us come and share.
0: And we really value prayer. We, Becky and I, we pray for these kids by name every day. We just go down the list and we just pray for them by name and uh, for God to have his way in their hearts and, uh, and to see revival come,
1: you know. So that's our story. So thanks, Jeff.